Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. Week seven, uh, six weeks in the book, which puts us about a third of the way through the season with, you know, 18 weeks now. So how are we doing today? You know, we're doing good. You know, we're making moves. It is uh, an interesting week in the NFL because we've kind of sorted out there at least six weeks. We'll see what develops the rest of the way. But there are really three good teams and two don't play this weekend. And if you want to include like a fourth team as like the highest fringe team after those guys, you might choose Minnesota. And they also don't play this weekend. So uh, we're missing some potentially the best teams on the field this weekend. Yeah, that was the one thing like when while you were uh, doing the worksheet on on Tuesday and now while we were kind of prepping for this podcast and, and looking at what games to go into. Not a lot of marquee matchups here on this slate. Uh, you know, we had at least last week, you know, you had Bill Chiefs, which, uh, you know, lived up to the hype. Uh, it was a fun game. Uh, we do not have a Bill's Chiefs uh, this week. And, I, and I'm not even sure what would come the closest. Like, what of these games, like, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of them, but like, what is the game you're looking forward to the most on this slate? Because. Well, as like a football fan or as like a fantasy football watcher, because those are two different answers. (laughs) I mean, the the fantasy aspect, like this is a weekend for fantasy, right? Like this is the weekend where we know that like fantasy football is helping you watch games um, because it's it's giving you something to care about. As a a full, just regular football watcher, not not a lot of games (laughs) that uh, I'm going and like these are. The Chiefs 49ers, maybe. Maybe, but like, is is the 49ers defense like going to be so well, all right? Let's let's dive into that game, yeah, right? Let's go for is, it. Is the 49ers defense going to be healthy enough where this is going to right. matter at all? Because this is a defense that I, I wrote about a couple weeks ago, one of the most fun defenses in the league. Uh, they were doing you know really fun things. They go into last week's game against Atlanta with basically like half of the defense uh, either not playing or left the game at some point and Atlanta just ran all over them. Uh, so if that's going to happen there and, and they still have like a, a couple of guys that we're not totally sure what their status is going to be. So if this is a defense that just doesn't have all of their dudes. Uh, this isn't got, not going to be a fun matchup against the chiefs. Right. Yeah. And we saw that last week, they just really struggled missing all the pieces. I mean, they entered that game last week, missing Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Warch, Von Kinlaw, obviously Emmanuel Mosley's lost the year and they had injuries to Char- Traverius Ward, uh, Hufunga got injured in that game. Yeah. Uh, I haven't quite mastered the Talanoga Hufunga. Uh, doesn't roll off my tongue yet. So uh, sometimes tra- trips me up, but, and then the, the other thing too, is if you look at the 49ers, they, they struggled in that game. Like, they also haven't faced anyone good, and maybe that's just a pr- product of everyone. Like, I was talking about this on the podcast last night. You know, it's, it's like, oh, the 49ers, like, they faced Geno Smith, Justin Fields, Baker Mayfield, Mariota, Matthew Stafford, and Russell Wilson. But then, like, you could do that for any team. So has year, everybody, right? yeah. It's like nobody's you, nobody's faced the good schedule, and nobody probably will. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I don't even know if we could really even conclude a lot of that uh, just because everyone's faced the good schedule so far this season. Like, we talk about the Jets, right? Like, the Jets – People are like, oh, the, the Jets got lucky with their schedule. It's like, well, everyone's played bad schedules. So, no. <laughs> yeah, like, unless you've played Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, like, you've, you've faced a fairly easy schedule of a Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, pretty much that's where we are uh, in this NFL season where, you know, passing has 
really not been nearly as good as it has been in, in recent seasons. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, we'll see who they get back on the field this week. They might get Bosa back. They might get Jimmy Ward back. Um, so, but is that enough? Probably not. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the chiefs, I, I came out pretty positive on the chiefs last weekend, you yeah. know, they even for kind of still having this group of receivers that isn't very sexy. Uh, that's why they're exploring Odell Beckham through the grapevines, but like, they still are able to put up, you know, productive plays and they just kind of st- had draw drive stall out. But like, yeah, it still came out feeling pretty good about the Chiefs and they played relatively good defense compared to like what they had coming into that game, bringing up, you know, practice squad defenders to play starting cornerback against Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. Uh, so, yeah, Chiefs definitely still stand out as one of the clear best teams of in the NFL and obviously the best team playing this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, I think we've kind of gone into this. There are things where it's like they're somewhat unchiefs-like, right, where we see all of these wide receivers. Uh, it's not fun. It's not a lot of explosive plays. But then again, like, they're still one of the best offenses in the league despite that. So it's still – they're they're just getting it done because the quarterback's still really good. And I think like you have the, the one interception that happens uh, in the end zone and then the, the real bad interception at the end of the game. Um, I don't like those aren't going to be things that Patrick Mahomes does all the time. Right. And so you're not like totally worried about that. They're, they're kind of figuring out how to more efficiently dink and dunk in a way down the field. Um, they're, they're stretching the intermediate area a little more like they still can't throw a deep pass because it's just like they one like don't have anyone to do that um and again like that's where if they do bring in like an Odell Beckham like that's kind of the thing where like he can be that intermediate guy and maybe you can stretch one of those was other guys out but I wouldn't be surprised if like we see some wide receiver added here at the deadline like this is the time uh, of the year where we can get real excited about trade deadline moves that just aren't going to happen. Uh, but like, I, I would not be surprised if there is some other wide receiver here. Like, and we were kind of talking about it b- before we started recording, just like every NFL, t- well, except for like the bills, a- everybody needs some kind of juice and downfield threat. Um, right now that like could be added to the offense because somehow every offense in the league lacks uh, a guy who can get downfield uh, except unless you're the bills who just everybody does. <laughs> um, but so <clears throat> that's the thing, but uh, I think they're, there's, they're figuring out this, this offense. And I think like that's, that's still working. If you look at kind of what they were doing, like Juju's getting uh, just a, a little bit more, right. Um, he's getting a little bit more involved. You know, Travis Kelsey is, is playing better. I think like that's one of the other things that's like real positive. Last year we were like a little concerned about teams playing physical with Travis Kelsey and they were taking him out of the game a little mm-hmm. bit. That's just, that's not happening uh, this year. Um, and, and even when like in a game, like, you know, two weeks ago where he has the uh, 25 yards still has four receiving touchdowns. So they're, they're figuring out how to make that work. And I just, I don't have a lot of concerns about what like the chiefs are doing. Uh, and then that brings us back to, you know, the San Francisco side where if they don't have the guys on defense, it's, it's still going to be tough because Kansas city is going to be able to move the ball, even though it's not still not the way we like think about Kansas city moving the ball over the past years and, you know, the Patrick Mahomes era. And they're still moving the ball and scoring points, and it's 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 going to be tough if this San Francisco defense is not at full strength. 
Yeah, and you look at the 49ers, they've been an interesting team in their own right offensively. I mean, this is a team that has not run the football well the entire season. Uh, they're now 28th in the NFL in success rate rushing. Um, just haven't really had that that strong, like, Shanahanian, like, running game that we've seen them have in years past. And it's really kind of forced them to be more aggressive the past two weeks. You know, obviously, game script played a lot of into what happened last week. But we are starting to see that, like, they have, like, legit passing playmakers i'm kind of interested to see if they actually have to open this up i don't think that they really want to because they never have but you see when you start to get games where you get double digit targets for i have to look back on this i meant to stick a pin and look back if there was ever a game where we saw iuke george kittle and debo samuel all get double digit targets outside of last week and jimmy grapple played really well last week i know it won't show up in the, the box score but his receivers like dude there were some just insane drops in that game uh, but he played really well. So they're going to have to be pressed to throw the football in this game, you think, inherently, because, one, the Chiefs are going to score points anyways, even if the 49ers' defense was coming in optimally. Uh, so now if they're going to come in a little bit more ragged this week and the Chiefs are going to score more points, they're going to be aggressive and throw the football. So I am interested to see you know, if the 49ers, this, if there's a transition that they have to make in season, because we saw them make adjustments last year where they went to more like shotgun, three wide receiver stuff. Uh, I'm curious to see if they adjust again this year and they end up becoming more of like a pass first offense uh, than iterations we have seen in the past. Yeah, it, it kind of seems that way. They're they're relying on him just a, a little more. I think it's still even as they're pass heavy, like you look over the past, you know, since week four, so like the past three weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo is fourth in EPA per drop back among quarterbacks. Uh, that list um, has two players you would expect, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes are, are two and three. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is four, number one, Daniel Jones, um, which maybe maybe we'll get there. Um, but Well, what, I guess what, we've got to throw EPA per drop back out the window now. <laughs> um, so I, it's it's still funny because when you uh, it take out scrambles, because scrambles are technically dropbacks, if you take that out, uh, that uh, that shifts uh, quite a bit. Uh, the the amount of value coming out, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Um, uh-huh. But when Daniel get- Jones's EPA per dropback for splits, uh, I noticed uh, like in and outside the pocket, are like a, a incredibly different. Oh oh yeah yeah we'll get <laughs> we'll get there. Um, so oh, but when you look at what they're doing, even as San Francisco is kind of throwing the ball a little more over the past three weeks, the thirty two point seven percent of Garoppolo's throws are at or behind the line of scrimmage, and that is uh, the highest rate in. Uh, second highest rate in the league uh, over that stretch. So they're still getting some, you know, screens and swing passes and, and getting these guys who can like, you know, getting the Debo's yeah, Debo. who can, you know, run after the catch uh, and setting up like those types. So they're just, they're, they're adjusting. Well, like we can't get this run game going. So let's get some, you know, pseudo run plays uh, with these, you know, throws behind the line of scrimmage, get to, you know, it's these playmakers who, who can do that. So they're, they're still figuring it out while they're, they're passing more still getting some of those run elements in there. So you know, this offense is, is still good, right? Yeah. It's just, if, if this defense was healthier, I would have them, you know, this would be a much more exciting game. And I think just the, the, the health of the defense is really kind of what's what's holding me back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, let's see what they do. If they can score points, though, I mean, they could make this game fun. You could. I can get there. I can get there in this game at least mentally. I can I can say like this is one I, I at least like in the context of this week. I'm looking forward to this football game. <laughs> all right, let's let's move on. Let's all right. Let's talk about the the five and one Giants and the yeah. and the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, because. So the, the Jaguars, 
we were real excited about them. They were doing some some cool things uh, in the beginning of the season, and that just not happening anymore. Um, they they can't really convert anything in the red zone. Like I think Trevor Lawrence is still playing fine, but I think they're getting to a point. It, it was one of those things, and it's a little bit of an Eagles thing too, where so much of the improvement of what what Hertz and Lawrence were doing. And these are like slightly, it's not to the same extent in Philadelphia, but so much of it was, it, this is now we're doing so much better in structure. We're getting the ball out quickly, but it's kind of turned into only that, right? There's like, they're getting the ball out so quickly. I think you look at Trevor Lawrence's dot uh, last week, it was like three uh, something. It was like below four yards uh, for an dot, And it's just like, so there's nothing happening downfield. And it's kind of a little bit the same thing. Uh, the Eagles are not throwing the ball deep at all. Um, it's the same thing with um, mm-hmm. with Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, you know, these teams are, are coming out. They're playing more too high against uh, Jacksonville, even though they, like, they don't really need to because there's no one who can stretch the field. It's another team. They, they just like, you have Christian Kirk, but like he's not really being used as that deep guy. So it just everything is so short and condensed. And I think that's just kind of hurting the overall production of the offense because you can't you just you can't sustain that way and it, it makes it increasingly harder to do so and i think that's really kind of we're, we're seeing some of the the personnel issues are coming in with jacksonville and it's just like they they can't really push the ball and it, i think it, it that that's hurting what they can do on offense <clears throat> um and then you look at you know this the giants defense on the other side again like this is not a team that's that has good players right like there, there are a couple you know good guys on that defense and they're just they're still doing the thing where they're gonna blitz the crap out of you and it's not always going to work but when it does work like it's going to be impactful like they, they like almost 70 percent of the time they blitz lamar jackson the last week and they were just like this this is this is all we got like this is our move this is all we got so we're just gonna they keep doing it and that's basically what this giants <laughs> defense is so if you're going to be doing that i think it might be giving jacksonville a little bit of trouble because like they just i'm not really sure how much the jaguars have kind of a, a bit of a change up on that side of the ball now yeah everything with the jaguars is just in you know just just shallow dick and dunk like nothing downfield at all um, just they are a very frustrating offense to watch. And there's a couple offenses like that this league that are in this season that are doing that, like you kind of alluded to. And the Giants, yeah, I mean, Giants keep making this magic happen. Uh, they have now led for the lowest rate of snaps of any team with a winning record this season. Uh, ironically, the Jaguars have led for the most amount of highest rate of snaps for all teams with a losing record. So kind of going head to head here on that front of what can win. The Giants just keep making that one play or one to two plays per game when it matters late. Uh, they had the first interception of the season last year, or last week. Uh, so I mean, they, they weren't even getting like a lot of turnovers, right? You know, still. And, yeah. And they were able to get stops and like, these things happen but then they got those turnovers that just swung that game in that direction but yeah Warren you look at Trevor Lawrence against the blitz too he's 31st in uh depth of target when blitz just 5.3 yards his downfield those throws go uh 24th in quarterback rating against the blitz um and then on blitzes with man coverage behind them which the Giants play you know they they play man coverage uh behind their blitzes at the second highest rate. His depth of target is just 3.6 yards, or he's averaging just 3.6 yards per pass attempt, and the depth of target is just over five yards. Uh, so just real tough, man. Real tough to see, like, a situation where you're, like, going to this, and you're like, all right, well, this is the game the Jaguars 
break out of that shell and we see them hit some downfield shots. And like you said, really the only guy they have to do that is Christian Kirk. I mean, he was used as that vertical slot guy in Arizona last year. That's really not what he was in college, but he did have some success with it in Arizona, like some of his best moments um, because well, Marvin Jones didn't play last week. Zay Jones is just getting targets. Like he's one of the lowest eight dots in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a very frustrating offense to watch in general. And at the other side of the ball, we know what the Giants are going to do too on that side of the ball. They're going to give Saquon football, Saquon the football until eventually he makes a play. Uh, you know, they, they did get Wandell on the field last week, which was nice. They schemed some stuff up for him that was good. Uh, we didn't see him play a whole lot. But, uh, yeah, the Giants just – they need more receivers on the field. Uh, the the ghost of Kadarius Tony is never going to happen, huh? <laughs> no, I mean we we get reports from Giants beat writers every week that you know Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, uh, not expected to practice this week. So like, just let me know when they are, man. I'm just gonna assume they're not until <laughs> otherwise told. Um, it, so I was looking this up uh, the other day. Uh, George Pickens has run ten fewer career routes than Kadarius Tony. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but you say that the Giants need uh, some more wide receivers on the field, but like, I don't know, do they? Uh, so they ran the first play. Well, not their wide receivers. They, they, they ran the first play um, uh, in the NFL this season uh, in 32 personnel. Uh, so that's three running backs, two tight ends. There were zero wide receivers on the field. And that was the, like the, the wheel, the wheel route that, Rita, yeah. uh, that they ran. Um, they started out like looking like they were going to go in wildcat and down Jones, like shifts back into uh you know, under center. So we, they're in a full house backfield with a uh, Barkley, Brita and, and Gary Brightwell. And then they run that little wheel to, um, uh, to Brita. Uh, and it's kind of like using Barkley a little bit as a, um, as a decoy because he was uh, to the left of Jones in that, uh, in the like full house. And as he's coming, like he's kind of, you know, in the flat and all the linebackers are looking at Barkley uh, and then Breed is able to, you know, sneak out from uh, he was uh, the uh, offset to the right uh, of, of Jones on, on that play. So like they're, again, they're, they're doing fun things. They're figuring out how to use this personnel because they, it's the personnel still not good. Um, but again, they're like, they're still figuring some things out. Like if, if they had a good wide receiver, like this would be the time to, kind of throw it there because uh, Shaq Griffin is having some trouble, man. Um, his game against uh, Indianapolis was just, man, like the teams are, are throwing at him and like having success. Uh, and it's just, it has not been a, a good year for him. And uh, again, the, the Giants don't have a singular uh, player. So right now there are 93 players with at least 100, Sorry, 93 corners with at least uh, 100 coverage snaps. Shaquille Griffin is 89th in uh, adjusted yards allowed per coverage snap, which kind of you know takes a look at touchdowns and interceptions allowed uh, on top of yards. So you know, the Giants don't really have a guy to you know take advantage of that singular matchup, which some other teams do. Um, they were like running Alec Pierce uh, against him, and that was you know the the touchdown at the end of that game last week, but. Like the, the Giants just, they're going to hang in there. So I think like that's, even if they're not going to be good. And like we say this every week, right? At this point that we've talked about them, like they, they can't keep getting away with this uh, type thing, but like I, they're going to, 
they're good enough and well coached enough that they're going to hang around. Like the giants aren't going to like suddenly start getting blown out of any of these games. Like even if they don't win these close games that maybe like can be, you know, 50, 50 that they shouldn't quite be winning as often as they have so far. Like I don't see a point in this season where like they start getting blown out at all. So like that's, they at least I have that going for them. And I don't see the Jaguars having like any type of advantage really where like they're going to be the team that like picks out the flaw in, in the Giants and and is able to you know take advantage of it. I just I, I don't see that either. Yeah, I'll be interested in two weeks when they play uh, Seattle uh, how it goes because like the Giants haven't the one thing like I came into the season was you know from a fantasy perspective looking at the Giants was like oh man I cannot wait to play like good good passing teams against. The Giants is like they're going to be just selling out. We're going to get, we're going to get just a bunch of guys in situations that like be just wreck man coverage, right? Have a lot of chance to make big plays. And you look at the Giants layout, and again, it's like you know talking about any schedule thing, but like they haven't faced any team with like good wideouts like the entire year. And yeah. two weeks from now, they'll play uh, Seattle. And Seattle, if you look at go like because like since DK Metcalf centered the league, he is like the number one like man coverage wrecker like in the NFL in terms yeah. of like drawing targets. So I'm like real curious when we get to that, like how they how they hold up then. Because even like you say, well, they face good teams, like good offenses and like, well, potentially good offenses and like the Packers, at least they had a good quarterback and the Ravens. But like those teams don't have anybody. Don't they, have, yeah. They, they don't have any receivers and that Bateman didn't play last week, but they don't have any guys that can just go out and dust man coverage, right? Like, and the Jaguars really don't either. So like, and you look at this whole schedule that the Giants face and they really aren't going to face many of those teams like the entire season. Uh, So yeah, they're probably going to hang around a lot, a lot in these games. Will they win them all? Probably not. But like, they're going to be one of these teams that like, if the game is hanging around like the low twenties, like they're going to always be in it. Yeah. The Seattle Seahawks, the, the offensive measuring stick that we all knew they would be at the start of the season. Yeah, I just didn't look enough at their schedule and say like, oh yeah, well these are the receivers they'll face. But like I remember coming in like, oh this is what Wink's gonna do. This is the personnel the Giants have. Like, all right, right. Like- and and because of that, like I thought they would be one of the worst defenses in the league. Right. You look at what Wink wants to do. You look at that personnel, and you're like, oh that doesn't match at all. Like they should be terrible. Uh, but but it's it's working because they have just enough talent. The blitzes have been getting home. You know, just enough. Um, you know, even at the beginning of the year when you had like Thibodeau out, um, you know, uh, Dory Jackson uh, missed some time, uh, 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 recently, it's just like, they still just kind of have, they're they're playing sound too. Like they're not making mistakes, which I think is, is part of the thing. It's just overall, this is a very well-coached team just on, in all aspects. Um, and, and that's, you know, why, why they're hanging around and they're playing well above their talent level at this point. And I think like that's that's a, a good thing. Like I I really expected that defense to be a complete disaster with how that scheme was going to be. Um, and because because we saw it with the Ravens last year, right? You you take no corners uh, and you blitz and play man coverage, and and that can be terrible. Um, and again, like you said, they they haven't really played a lot of teams who have a wide receiver who can just torch them, but. Uh, they've still played fairly well otherwise. I think like by DVOA, I think they're still like 30th in defense. Uh, Cause I think they're 
you know, they give up. They're like the worst first down defense. Right. They're still, still very bad on early downs. They're um, incredible on third downs. And that's kind of when, when Wink's really getting into his bag. I mean, they're blitzing all the time, but on third down, it's, it's really so like there's, there's some hiccups that are going to be there and probably some regression uh, within that because, you Mm -hmm. know, early down is more predictive than, than what you're doing on third downs. So, you know, we're still not, you know, completely sold, but again, like even if you're the 30th ranked defense and you're not completely getting torched that I think that that's still a win at this point. And that's kind of like, <laughs> just where the giants are at this point. Like they, they should be excited about how well they've played relative to, to what they had because this season could have been a disaster. And the fact that it's not, I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and if you're the Jaguars, I mean, it's the AFC South, so you're never completely bagged. But if you lose this game and you go to two and five, like on a season that started out pretty promising, where we kind of thought like, oh, the Jags might be a team that like they could win this. So they could win this division. Yeah. Um, going to be tough. Going to be tough to do. Yeah, even if you're not really excited about the, the Colts or the Titans, they're still yep. hanging around. And, um, you know. Uh, they play each other this week, so one of them is, is going to lose. It, maybe, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's it's the uh, AFC South, so so who knows uh, at this point, right? Um, but well, the Colts are no team. I'm curious, and we don't have to really get in the bag on that game. Uh, you know, maybe. It, so they they did some interesting things, but right? will they do like, it with Jonathan Taylor off the on the field? Sure. So, oh, I, I don't think we want you know Matt Ryan uh, dropping back over 50 times a game. Right, that's that's certainly not something they're going to be doing with Jonathan Taylor. But the way they attacked the the, the passing game was kind of how you would maybe have wanted, like kind of the ideal version. The one thing they did, like they ran no huddle on like mm-hmm. it's like sixty five percent of their their snaps. Um, it was it was a whole bunch. So they they were at least like using pace to be that changeup because like again like they don't have a lot of guys who are going to be you know that kind of matchup advantage, right? So they're not singularly, you know, taking advantage of one matchup. So they they figured out pace was going to be uh, the way they would, you know, slow the Jaguars down uh, a little bit. And especially because, you know, the, the speed rush of the Jaguars is really kind of what they have on defense. And that's kind of fallen apart uh, the past couple of weeks. And I think using pace uh, for, um, uh, for Indianapolis works really well. It's another thing I think the Giants can do because I think they've they've used no huddle in the past. I think that's something Daniel Jones is is comfortable in. So I think we might see that a little more from the Giants too. Uh, but then you look at what uh, the Colts did the passing wise. It was uh, a cro- like mesh and crossers to to Michael Pittman, and then like just throwing down the sideline to Alec Pierce, and like it, it can be that simple. And like when that's the only thing you have going for you. I, spam it till it doesn't work and that's pretty much what they did like you look at the the michael pittman like next gen stats uh route chart uh, from the jaguars game it's just it's all crossers and it's like fine it worked yeah it's all it was all just like the the slants and drags you know uh sometimes they they blur what they actually count those as i think uh you know in the officially in the books but it was all the same thing right like just all him coming across the field five yards downfield and then just picking up some yards after the catch yeah i'm curious to see what sticks with, with jonathan taylor coming back right like how the offense looks because the traditional colts offense that they tried to run the first four weeks of the season wasn't working at all and the offensive line is bad. They've obviously tried a bunch of different combinations on the offensive line uh, to try to figure out how they're going to like solve that thing. They, they might just not be able to do it. So it's like, how do we circumvent this? And they didn't have Jonathan Taylor. So it's probably part of the game plan anyways, but yeah, let's get the ball out fast. Let's just get it out to guys that can make plays and we'll play with some tempo. And it was, and it worked. 
So let's see if they if they stick with it, right? That's the thing with like the Bengals too. Like it's up to Bengals. It's like, all right, now like let's keep doing the things that work. Cause we've seen like some of these teams do this stuff. And then they're like, hey, you remember that stuff that worked last week? We're not gonna do any of that. So, yeah, so <laughs> let's let's get into the Bengals because I think if we're we're looking at games that like are potentially the most intriguing, Falcons Bengals is is somehow one of them. Um we got to get those Falcons, the helmets, to be their official uniforms. Like, Jesus, like those things were so hot. Yeah. Um, they're just... Uh, throw, <laughs> I think you don't care that, about stuff like that. all but... the time. Um, <laughs> um, but, all right, so start with with the Bengals, because I the one of the hiccups of the Bengals offense, uh, aside from all the, you know, the, the too high stuff that they were dealing with is they were running two different offenses, right? They had the, the Zach Taylor portion that they wanted from under center, which was all the run game stuff. And then they had the Joe Burrow section of the playbook, which was all the shotgun stuff and all the things he likes to do from empty and everything he kind of brought from LSU. And those things just didn't mesh. Um, and for most of the season, and even last season, and we've talked about this, the, the Zach Taylor part of the playbook was not even working well. Like they were one of the worst teams from under center, especially when they were trying to run the ball. And then last week, they just said, we'll just do it all from shotgun. Uh, so they ran, I think, two plays from under center. One was a QB sneak and one was a kneel. Um, so like they didn't actually run any like real plays from scrimmage from under center. And, and it worked, right? They they were able to kind of mesh everything. They did a little more RPOs. They were running well uh, from under center or from shotgun. And I think like that's one of those things. So like, why not lean into that? So it's still negative EPA per rush when they have running back runs from shotgun, but it's negative 0.5 uh, EPA per rush and a 43.6% uh, success rate we're running uh from shotgun this year when it's under center negative 0.23 epa with a 33.3 uh percent uh offensive success rate um the runs of 10 or more yards 7.3 percent uh from shotgun three percent from under center so it's just like if the run game is now working from shotgun why go under center at all and i think if the bengals are doing what they should be doing it's like we should be seeing like just exclusive shotgun, just run everything. Then you have everything meshing, right? You can, you know, the, the under center play action game is not going to be there, but like Burrow is going to, you know, use those RPOs, um, you know, use that type. Now everything can look the same, right? You don't have to have two like distinct offenses. So there's no more disconnect. And I think like that's going to help them out uh, if that's something that they like really lean into going forward. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Bengals is, is a give and take, right? Like, so the Bengals, you know, want, we're trying to figure out, like, well, how can we circumvent, like, seeing all the too high stuff, right? And eventually they just said, screw it. Like, this is, like, this just isn't working. You know, they wanted to get more plays under center to try to, like, get more single high looks through under center looks, right? So they could throw from under, but, like, it just wasn't working. And they said they just threw that completely out the window. Um, and it's helped. It's even helped Joe Mixon, who struggled, like, mightily the first, you know, four games of the year. He has 22 carries the last two games, which is a good number for him, right? Like, it's, like, just right. we, don't need to, we don't need to always run the football. Uh, but 20 of those 22 carries are out of shotgun. 
and he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. He's averaged over five and a half yards per carry in each game. And on those carries, 3.3 yards before contact per carry. Yeah, that's a big uh, difference. Which too. is the thing that was killing them. Yeah, you said they're 31st in the NFL in EPA per run out of under center. Like, and, and, and like you said, they're not, it's not like they're great out of shotgun. They're 16th, right? It's not like they're, they go from one, 31 to one, but going from 31 to 16 is a pretty big deal. It's huge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and especially in this matchup, I highlighted in the worksheet too. I mean, Atlanta is 29th uh, against the run against runs out of shotgun too. So you'd say this is a matchup to kind of highlight, like stick with it, stick with it, you dummies. Uh, so we'll see what Zach Taylor does, but yeah, I'm interested too. Cause like Atlanta, they're one of these like teams, like all of us in the fantasy circle, like get so frustrated by the Falcons uh, because they have good players. And they're just not interested in fantasy points, but like they're gonna, they're like a tough team for teams to defend during the season because you just don't face yeah. a lot of offenses like them in the NFL. So like you don't face like, any offenses. It's like not this. like they're like it's not like it's like facing like you know a service school like Navy or like Army or something like I mean like like like, coral, like drawing it to like a corollary of college football, but like. This team is just going to be like in pistol the entire game. Like not like they're going to run a lot of stuff with like one wide receiver, two wide receiver stuff. Uh, and they're just, it's hard to stop. And you've seen like these guys have been interchangeable. Like they're not rolling out guys like Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier. And like, it doesn't matter. Like they're going to pick up three yards at a time, four yards at a time and just move the football down the field. And then you incorporate, you know, the quarterback run element with it too. Um, they're just a tough offense to kind of stop. Cause I just don't think like, you really can prepare for them, right? Like you have to force them to have a drop back pass game. This is really the best thing that you can do. Uh, and a lot of teams just haven't really done that to them. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, again, like you feel you for the, uh, the, the fantasy have well, one dynasty team with, with Kyle Pitts, another dynasty team with uh, Drake London. So it's it, it not good not players. Great, though. great players. And, and good <laughs> on like on, on a pro route, like Drake London still like one of the highest, you know, target chairs overall. He just like, doesn't run a lot of routes because they, they don't run a lot of, you know, straight pass plays. But like you said, it's, it's such a fun run game right now. Cause like just everything's working. I think the way they have the run game is also like helping any deficiencies they have on the offensive line. It's a really good uh, run blocking offensive line. So it, it's helping a lot there. And then the way they're, they're passing the ball when you're in pistol, when you do have that threat of, of the quarterback run, it's helping uh, the, the line in pass blocking also. So it's just, and then, like you Mariota, had Mariota, Mariota was, I, was scrambling quite a bit. And then last yeah. week they were just like, we're just going to run read option. Like we, they went back to like 2012. Uh, it was just like straight up just running read option plays for, for Marcus Mariota. And it, it was, it was working. Um, and you know, when you look at like what the, the Bengals have to do, like they, they've been a pretty good defense, but again, they've, they've been a pretty good secondary. It's been able to, you know, stop some like explosive pass plays and stuff. And that's just, that's not the type of stuff you have to really worry about with, with Atlanta. And I think that that's been to Atlanta's benefit also. Yeah. I mean, the only, best thing they have going for them is they faced the Ravens just two weeks ago, uh, you know, who run some of some of the same stuff, but like not nearly as much and they don't have nearly as good uh, of production out of their running backs, uh, you know, right now, but uh, at least they did face them two weeks ago to kind of look at that. But uh, yeah, Mariota is averaging 10.9 yards per pass attempt when they throw out a pistol and 6.6 yards per pass attempt uh, when they don't. Uh, so yeah, it's the same, same thing. Like when you talk about the like, giants, like you just got to get them in that drop, drop back passing game. Uh, and that's the way to kind of knock them off of this thing because they don't only have two good players in that scenario. Right. But like, 
we we still haven't seen them really in a, a you know a, a full drop back passing game, which I still kind of think might not be that bad because if you only have two good players, like still those players are, are Kyle Pitts and Drake London who are, are playing well, like when they are asked to, you know, do the things that they need to do, like in, in the passing game, like Drake London's still getting open. Um, you know, he's you know, both using like his size and, and ability to just kind of separate underneath is, is re- going really well. Um, so I think if like they, they need to, they can be able to do that. So uh, I'm, the Falcons offense is kind of like one of the more fun things to like watch every week. Um, and you know, whether they need to, you know, drop that, I, I, I don't expect because it's, it's another thing where like, well, if we saw the, the fat, the Rams game and the Bucks game are the two times, like they were kind of forced into it and they did nothing. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Well, We'll see. Like, I, I don't really expect them in this game to uh, to be, you know, that that far behind. But we'll see how that defense is now because now I think uh, Casey Hayward is on IR. Um, AJ Terrell is just not having a great season, um, so they can be picked apart in, in the secondary a little bit. And I think we're kind of starting to see Cincinnati, you know, get their groove a little bit. Like, it even. <clears throat> the place they had to, to Jamar chase, like last week, we're not like the, you know, Jamar chase is great. We've got like these designs. They were still like, even the, the like longer touchdown he had was, it was like a, a 10 yard pass right. uh, that Jamar chase just, you know, Tyron Matthew, uh, yeah. ludicrous play on that, like a ludicrous attempt. To, to yeah. So to... they're, they're still <laughs> figuring some things out there, but I'm interested to see how, how much the, the Bengals now like just, lean into this this shotgun offense because i think everything can work there and i just i don't see a reason to go under center because like you said like the reason to go under center is to give the you know the threat of the run and to stop teams from playing too high but if there is like no actual threat from the run because you're so bad at running it's like no defenses (laughs) care right fine run for two yards like we don't we don't give a shit um we're still gonna play it too right. high because you, you can't run so now if there is a threat like a credible threat from the of the run from shotgun that still kind of you know throws some teams off a little bit so if they're still playing too high and you can run from shotgun that's going to you know change the the math a little bit and defenses will have to think about whether they you know want to put that extra guy in the box if you can start running from shotgun so uh that that's really something i'm going to be looking at more um for the Bengals this weekend going forward. Yeah. We, we've seen Zach Taylor uh, do this to us before. So please do the, right. do the stuff that works. <laughs> um, all right. Some of these, some of these other games, uh, like we can kind of like talk yourself into, into one side. Like, are there going to be any points scored in Jets Broncos? Maybe not. I mean, this like these are two really fun defenses, um, and Mm -hmm. two quarterbacks who just not good. Yeah, listen, uh, I thought Jets Twitter was not happy with me this week. Uh, they I get it, man. You should feel good. You're four and two. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Jets having four four wins, like, enjoy it, right? Yeah, and and like you said, like, it's been bad, (laughs) they're hiding, and and that's and that's that's kind of the thing, like. The Jets should be so much better. Yes. Um, and like the the only player who had uh, 
EPA per dropback worse than Zach Wilson last week was uh, PJ Walker, who like did didn't not play quarterback. A pass. Yes, barely played quarterback. Negative zero point zero six a dot. So like eighty percent of his passes were at or behind the line. They had one, their longest it completion was, was six yards downfield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like they. If you thought and it was things, Jacob Eason, it was it was even Philip Walker. Yeah, if if you thought things couldn't get worse for Carolina, like. Uh, they did. Um, and it could be if you don't get Russ, like as bad as Russ has been. And it sounds like Russ, because he plays through most of the stuff. But like, if we were to get Brett Rippey and like people, be, like you, it, you can't even just using Carolina as an example last week, like it can always be worse still. Oh, absolutely. It can always get worse. <laughs> it looked like the, Russ was the fine. Answer to that... Could it get worse is always yes. It's always yes. No matter how bad you think it is, the answer is always yes in the NFL. Yeah, Russ looked um, fine that first quarter. And then, uh, ooh. But they're so it's one of those things because like this Denver defense is so good, man. Like if if the offense was just playing like average, like Denver would be like around where we thought they might have been in the beginning of the season, um, because like the defense is exceeding all expectations. Um, Vero, uh, the defensive coordinator, is. You know, just uh, playing rule. I think I'm going to write about uh, the the Broncos defense that hopefully will be up uh, today. Um, it's just they're they're doing so many fun things. They're they're playing some some more zone, especially when they blitz. They're one of the heavier blitzing teams uh, in the league right now. They're doing a lot of fun stuff. Like mix, they have like all of these guys that they have at linebacker right now. Uh, while especially while Randy Gregory is out, you have Baron Browning, you have Nick Benito. Um, and when you have Bradley Chubb, like they're just like kind of mixing and matching, like where these guys are uh, playing on the field. And and sometimes like they, they can play off ball, they can rush. And it's just like, you, you don't really know where these guys are coming from. And they're all just like super athletic, right? Baron Browning was this guy that they you know drafted in the mid rounds was an off ball linebacker at Ohio state, but it's just, just one of those guys, a super athletic guy that you just like, he should be rushing the passer more. It's like, it's not, he's not Mika Parsons, but like it's, it's in the same vein, right? Where you just have like this uber athletic guy. It's just, we should probably just have him like speed rush the passer and, and, and it's working. Uh, and then when you look at like what they have in the secondary, Pastor Tan is, is playing uh, incredible. Come on. Williams is great. Um, <clears throat> played most of the season without Justin Simmons. Um, like, so they're, they're just doing like so many good things. And this offense just like is scoring nine points a game. And it's just like, man. And, and it's the same thing for the Jets, right? Um, like this defense is, is a whole lot of fun. Like Quinn and Williams had his, his breakout game. Like he was great. Uh, their corners are, are playing so well. DJ Reed has been really good. And a lot of the attention is, is on Sauce Gardner, who's also been playing great. But DJ Reed's been so good uh, on the outside too. Um, and then like, if the Jets have to pass, like at all, it's just. Yeah, but they're they're at least they're doing fun things in in the run game, which I think they have a leg up on the Broncos. Uh, you know, there yeah, because the Broncos are doing not even um, one minuscule thing fun. No zero <laughs> zero fun, sir. Um, <laughs> but but the Jets when they're uh, going for it, like uh, Brees Hall has been incredible. They are they're now the, the team that's figured out you know the the pony personnel when they have um, when they have Michael Carter and Brees Hall on the field at the same time. They're doing a lot of fun things. They had the the long um, uh, a Brees Hall. Uh, 
uh, touchdown run uh, that came on the on like the the sweep uh, against the Packers. Um, His wheel were out last two weeks ago. Was out a pony too, wasn't it? Yep. Or it had yeah. both on the field, both guys on the field where he he ran. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing doing a lot of uh, of fun things there, and so they're like figuring out and just like one of those things they're they're trying to scheme up like as much as they can with with the with the pass game like they're they're using motion on like 85 percent of of dropbacks it's that they're, they're doing so much and like it's just not quite clicking with the quarterback i'll, I'll say yet because hopefully at least like there's just like passable production there because mm-hmm. it's just like if if zach wilson was was average at this point like this would be a really fun team uh, and I just like can't completely get there because just the the quarterback play is just not there yet. Yeah, they're, listen, it's I, don't, I want Zach Wilson to be good. A lot of people think it's like you know we we say I want Zach Wilson to be good. Obviously, this team has too many good skill players for me to root against Zach Wilson. Right, and, and that is, that's 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 why it's more frustrating that he's not right because like it would be so much better if he was. And like that's so like that. There's one thing the when we pick apart Daniel up. Jones, like right. And I'm not trying to give Daniel Jones a pass at this point because this is you know his fourth year in the league. But like Daniel Jones, like what could what possibly more can the Giants really do right now? Like right, like like Marcus Johnson's not going to start making plays, right? Like David Sills and, and Richie James aren't going to start like turning into to beaters. But like we've got Elijah Moore, we got Corey Davis, we got Garrett Wilson. Like these are these are actionable chess pieces to use offensively uh to go along with our good pony personnel and run game we've established right yeah because like it's, you want the marriage of the two to exist step one throw to elijah moore <laughs> just so we'll, we'll start with the basics there a target for elijah moore i've just found out like if your last name is Moore and you're gonna play receiver now like it's just going to be pain. DJ Moore, the, the danger zone, man. Elijah Moore, pain. Sky Moore can't get on the field. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of pain. Rondell is actually showing some signs of life, actually. So I guess we'll have that. But when Rondell is the best of the Moors right now, we're down bad. We're down bad. Uh, yeah, it's not not a not a good thing. Um... <laughs> I mean, DJ Moore. I don't even know like what to write in the in like writing up DJ Moore every week. I just I was out of options this week. I just. I just embedded a, a YouTube clip to you this week. I I did notice that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just I like it, even if I, it's I think a, a waste of everyone's time actually. If like you were to detail what was going on with the DJ Moore, and then you just have like a PJ Walker not throwing past the line of scrimmage, and like he's he's going to start again this week. Um, Oh, they're not trying to win any more games now. Now that rule's no. officially gone. Now that rule yeah. has officially been fired, and like, there's no element of job saving like incorporated to any part of this. Like, it's it's completely in the tank. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it, it probably at at this point it should be. I thought there was you know some hope in the beginning of the year where like they they still have pieces, and like it, I don't think this should be a full teardown, right? Because there are still some. They have good- a ton of cap space and good some good young players. Right. Um, you know, if, if you want to move McCaffrey, like I, that probably, you know, makes some sense at this point, if you can get really anything back uh, for him, but like you, Robbie Anderson made a lot of sense to move uh, because uh, like one, his contract when he just like hasn't fit in whatever version of the offense, like they kind of thought it was going to be. And now you can try to, you know, get some of the younger guys, 
on the field, like it made sense to move him. It makes sense to probably move McCaffrey. Like it, it doesn't make sense to move DJ Moore. It does no. not make sense to move Brian Burns. Like I don't see a full fire sale. It just, it doesn't make any sense for what the Panthers like should be trying to build. These guys are still young enough. Um, you know, more still in the early stages of his contract extension, you know, Brian Burns hasn't even gotten the contract extension yet. Um, all of these guys, you know, should be, you still have like the JC Horns, the Jeremy Chance. like this is, there's, fun pieces um on this team that you should be building blocks for the future uh i think there's you know the robbie anderson and and maybe mccaffrey like it those make sense this should not be a full fire sale especially if like you you're in line for the number one pick right now so you bring in like a a cj shrouder or bryce young and you're 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 starting to cook uh already depending on on the flip side of that do you do you warrant do you give what team do you support actually trading for Christian McCaffrey though? See, that's, that's the other part, right? Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, he's, he's, he's carrying like $20 million cap hits like the next three years. Yeah. I, I think you can, you know, you can probably restructure those a little bit, yeah, but again, that, that's yeah. starting to, to put, you know, this year it makes, so that's part of where the McCaffrey thing, like he's, he's making like basically the minimum this year because Carolina already restructured his deal uh, so they could like get under the cap for, for this year. Um, so he's, he's barely making any money and the, the future years are not guaranteed. So if a team traded for him, they could potentially just, you know, release him. But then what, what are you trading for McCaffrey to only have like a couple weeks of a rental? You're not giving anything up. And then if you're Carolina, what, what are you accepting for that? I think, uh, the, the athletic ran, uh, a piece, I, th- I think it was yesterday, of a couple team beat writers, uh, you know, made proposals for uh, for McCaffrey, and that the the Carolina beat writer was was taking them in and kind of, you know, looked at, you know, oh, should I accept these or not? And everyone like made, you know, a reasonable offers. It was like a, you know, a second round pick, maybe like a second and a fourth. Uh, and the Carolina beat writer like, said, no, respectfully, the, that's not enough. And it's like, that's just kind of, you know, where, where these two sides are mm-hmm. right now. Like there, it doesn't make, no one's giving up a first round pick for Christian McCaffrey. It's just, it's not happening. Um, I like, <clears throat> like play style wise, I like, he probably does make sense for, for the Rams right with like how especially with how often they use empty they kind of need that pass catching threat a a little bit um and i think that would probably help quite a bit i think like he would make a difference in in what that offense at least as currently constructed like kind of needs to do to get something going but like the rams aren't aren't giving up a lot to especially they don't have they don't have anything to give up they don't have anything like they could give (laughs) they could give a second um you know i think the the offer jordan rodriguez uh, had was like a second and, and a fourth i think which fine like if you're the rams like i, I don't know how much you want to you know fully just go into trying to resuscitate this season um i don't know how good you, you feel about that if you're the rams and then like you would really have a problem with the McCaffrey contract and what you can do with it. Like if, if you're the Rams, because there's mm-hmm. so many other contracts you have to deal with uh, if you're the Rams. So having like $12 million for McCaffrey uh, in 2023, it might be an issue. Um, so yeah, that that's just where uh, this whole thing is. It's, it's, it's a very much a stalemate between the, what he's worth if you're acquiring him and what the Panthers would be, would be willing to take. Um, like e- even if they cut him, they like, 
next year. It just might be like saving face where you don't want to like, especially like, I I don't think David Tepper like wants to look embarrassed here, even though like that's all he's done so far, Um, (laughs) kind of in his tenure as an owner, uh, you probably like, don't want to be seen as like giving this guy away. Like, even if that's probably the, the best option. So it's a, it's 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 a weird place, um, yep. but we'll, but we'll see. Right on, yeah. And there's there's no way they should even entertain trading DJ Moore. So no, no DJ Moore, no Brian Burns. Keep keep the good players, man. Like keep the good young players. That's that that's the point. Um, like I, I and I don't think this team is like as far away as it should be. Get a new offensive coordinator, new head coach. Well, no, because you got to figure in that division too. Like we're on the last year of Brady, right? Like, so it's wide open. The Saints don't have their future quarterback on the roster. Uh, do the Falcons, arguably, they do not either. So it's still wide open. If if, if no one in the division is entering this offseason, everyone in this division is entering the offseason, not having quarterback solved, then you're live. Like you're live. Like yeah. you at least are, 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 are there. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, figure this is is probably Brady's last year. The Saints, it's it's going to take a while for for this to to get back to like where it should be right because right now they are giving it like a top five pick to the Eagles. Like that's where the Saints are at this point, and like they're probably going to start Andy Dalton again tonight, and like mm-hmm. that's probably the better option. Um, so like that's if that's where New Orleans is at this point, like. It, <laughs> And a, and a defense that has has not been as good as you know you probably thought it, it might be to start the season, um, yeah, it's just it's there's the runway for the Panthers to be better and competitive. Like I don't think is as long as it might look of like what the current shape of right, the franchise correct. is. Um, I think it, it could be sped up because like you're, you're getting a quarterback next year. Um, you have a, a lot of cap room. Just get anybody competent in like running this the team and the offense. Uh, and, and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that bad. Um, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. That's it. What a way to close it out uh, with a, a, a future look at the Carolina Panthers in week seven of the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we are in week seven though. Um, but hopefully like, it's kind of one of those things The like I said, beginning kind of have the, the hope of the trade deadline before, uh, before nothing happens. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And if there is a McCaffrey trade, it, it'll, it'll at least be interesting, right? There's, there's a 100% chance that a McCaffrey trade is interesting if it happens like from, from one side, right? There's probably a very small chance that it does happen, but if it does, uh, it's going to, going to be interesting. Um, so at least, you know, we have that. So we will uh, end this show here. Thank you guys for uh, sticking through the end uh, with us. If you have, um, you can find all of our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Read all of uh, Rich's worksheet. Um, you can still be uh, getting some fantasy packages uh, through the end of the season. You can find uh, Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.